is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey folks, Brian here with a quick PSA. We recorded the show last night, but for some reason there was a problem on my end of the recording. I was able to clean it up quite a bit, but there are some rough spots, and it sort of sounds like I'm talking in a tin can. So sorry about that. We'll have better quality next week, I promise. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. I am Brian. With me, he's back, Chris McShane. How you feeling, Chris? Uh, pretty good. Certainly better than uh, the last time you recorded with Allison Pinch Hitting. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since you and I have done this together. Um, let's see. We're looking at January 17th, the last time we talked on the show. So, uh, Damn. A month ago. Yeah, that's uh, our... our Pup, our puppy Yoda is eight months old now instead of seven. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's an eighth of her, of uh, of life there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in, yeah. That, in his experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, this won't be our our last show for a month because a week from tomorrow, well, a week from today, when you're hearing this, uh, Chris and I will be on airplanes going down to Port St. Lucie for four days of fun in the sun doing all sorts of Mets-related things. I am super excited, and uh, I'm sure you are as well. And we're going to be doing... We're going to try to do a uh, a nightly podcast uh, where we put out sort of a show based on what we did that day and, and sort of things we saw and things that impressed us, etc. We're going to try and hit the backfields a lot. We're going to try and talk to some 
uh, talk to some people. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're trying to make this a really productive trip. So we'll see how exhausted we are at the end of it. Um, anything that you definitely want to do in St. Lucie that isn't Mets related? Uh, well, the the beer at Vine and Barley is usually excellent. Uh, definitely a craft beer bar, the craft beer bar in that na- uh, that vicinity, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, so that's always high on the list. Uh, Got to go bowling at Duffy's if if uh, if we can muster up the energy after baking <laughs> in the sun all day. Uh, <laughs> not. Not that I'm complaining. It's very nice to get into the Florida sun. Even though we haven't had a real snowstorm this winter, uh, today being 48 degrees with just a heavy fog and mist all day was like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I am looking forward to Florida. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I'd say Vine and Barley definitely ranks number one uh i do enjoy eating chipotle for like five dollars less than what it costs here <laughs> um that's where i met wilmer flores for the first time was in that chipotle uh i think there was a day that Syndergaard and a couple other guys were eating in there too back when they were just you know prospects even though Syndergaard was a famous prospect right um you know so uh, things things like that uh you know, it's funny, and, and I think if we succeed in doing, even if there are many episodes every day that we're there, uh, people get a sense of what we did and all that. But going back, uh, you know, I wasn't there last year, but I've gone six or seven times, maybe, maybe even eight. I, I, I'd have to count, you know, going back to the first time I went down there. Um, but you know, from afar, and if you're a beat writer who's there for six weeks and gets like a week or a weekend of that off to kind of just come back and regroup and then go go back down, I, I understand it's a very different perspective than like dropping in as Amazing Avenue, being like, oh man, four days, we're not in the Northeast. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. late February, uh, the sun is glorious, The like we get to do this baseball stuff. So I understand that their perspective can be like, oh, man, there's nothing to do in St. Lucie. But in that sort of like turbo mode that that I've been in and we will be in when we're down there, of just like, oh, man, this is great. Take a million photos. Uh, talk to whoever we can talk to. Go back. Like, try to write that down. Try to organize these photos. Um, and take advantage of the ballpark Wi-Fi being a hundred times better than any hotel. Yes. And, you know, do all that and then go eat. And then you get to, uh, you know, before you know it, the days go by. So, in like, in my experience of doing this trip, I'm never like, oh, man, there's nothing to do here because it's a it's a lot of work during the day, but it's totally vacation mode um, combined with that. Yes. So there was one year a cousin of mine uh, came down, big Mets fan. Uh, and he asked to like tag along, uh, and you know, with the room that we had gotten, uh, my dad and I, and you know, he like, by on the second morning he was like, he's like, I, I knew you did stuff down here, but he's, he was like, damn, I didn't realize how much, like how much work you do, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess when you only, when you're trying to just collect as much as you can in a short span of time, 
St. Lucie never feels boring to me. And I'm also, I, I'm not like, all right, I'm going to go have, you know, dinner or drinks at the same place I've been going to um, every night for six weeks or, or, or regularly for six weeks. Um, so, yeah, that's my that's my little pre spring training spiel. I have a very specific thing I want to do. All right. Which is so um, I have an aunt who lives in Port St. Lucie. Uh, she's a snowbird. She's down there half the year. And I have an uncle who's a snowbird who lives in um, Stewart, which is right down the road from there. And there's a little town called Port Salerno that is on the side of Stewart. And uh, he and I went there and I had the best fish and chips I've ever had in my life. And I've been thinking about those fish and chips for like 10 months now. <laughs> and so at some point, uh, I want to go with him and get those fish and chips again. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and this isn't exactly groundbreaking, but I, I learned to get into and appreciate fish and chips like within the last few years. So, oh, so you're right. What you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah, know. But with that, that much praise, I, uh, you know, I, I I am intrigued. I think yeah. I want to give it a shot. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, yeah. We'll we have plenty of time to discuss all the food options that we'll be having uh, down there. Anyway, let let's get into it. So, we were thinking that this would be a good time, to sort of take stock of where we think the team is a week out from spring training. So we are going to be talking about just our general thoughts and feelings about the Mets right now. Um, you know, we're getting all these articles and these news reports coming out of St. Lucie with, you know, the, the ubiquitous so-and-so is in the best shape of their lives, um, updates, you know, familiars dropped a bunch of weight. You told me before we started recording that Stroman hired away the Blue Jays, like, conditioning guy. You know, there, there are lots of stories like that. So with all of that sort of, you know, positivity overload. How are you feeling right now about this team? Do you feel like this team is in a better position to win than they were perhaps a year ago? Yeah, I'd say overall they're in a better position to win. Um, you know, part of that probably has to do with things that have happened around the division. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't think the Marlins should be written off entirely, of course. I don't think any other team can be written off. Um, but the way things have changed, you know, losing Anthony Rendon is more significant in my eyes than losing Zach Wheeler. Agreed. Um, I think even Wheeler's biggest supporters would agree with that statement. Uh, but, yeah, I I guess I'm still just a little apprehensive. Like, I know what the second half was like last year. But I guess for for somebody who wants to say, hey, don't take Zach Wheeler's second half, especially from 2018, too seriously. Like, yes, it happened, but it was still not, you know, it wasn't that level for a year or two years or three years. It was that level for two and a half months, that kind of thing. So if I'm saying that about a player, then I guess I'm still just a little apprehensive um, when it comes to going all in on hey the second half Mets like of course I want that I, that would be fantastic if they played like that for a full season we wouldn't even be stressing until October um, so yeah I I think 
they will be competitive and they will be good. Um, but I still just worry about, like, I think DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman will be excellent, all, all three of them. Uh, but then I worry about Mats and Porcello. And then uh, it, if Waka gets into, into the mix there uh, with some starts or, or maybe lots of starts, who knows? Um, but I'm just apprehensive with the back of the rotation and the uncertainty of the bullpen. You know, it's not hard to imagine this bullpen being a top five in baseball because if the three big names perform even pretty well, not necessarily their career bests for all of them, but uh, if they all do that, and then Seth Lugo, I don't mean any insult to him with his name. It's just, I don't know. The other three are probably a little bit more well-known across baseball. Um, it, you could you could have something there. But I'd, I'd be more giddy about all this if they had shot for a higher tier uh, in terms of starting pitching than the one that they did. And in the bullpen, if they had, even if, dude, I like the Patanza signing a lot, given his extreme upside. Um, but just adding another arm or two to say, all right, teams are going to be rolling with eight-man bullpens this year. Um, you know, let's let's add one or two more major league relief arms, especially given that so many of them signed for fairly reasonable deals over this winter. So. Yeah, I don't want to be too much of a downer here, but I'm I'm just I'm apprehensive. I like I there is definitely a way this plays out where the back of the rotation is fine. Um, you know the bullpen guys are all great. Cespedes is playing regularly and destroying the uh, totally not juiced baseball that I assume will still be in use this year. Um, and Alonzo and McNeil and Conforto. I mean, you know, there's, there is a serious core of young talent here and Rosario finished the year in a way he could, he get in on all that. Um, so yeah, I'm rambling a little bit, but I think the Mets will win more games than they lose. It's just, I don't know if it'll be 83 or significantly higher than that. Uh, in a season that ends up being a dominant one. Yeah, I I think I more or less echo your thoughts. I'm probably a little bit more optimistic at this point, um, if only because I guess there there are two things that I am really willing to sort of lay on the line, and neither one of them are exactly hot takes. Number one, I do not think it is possible for Familia and Diaz to have both seasons as bad as they did last year and for the Mets to stick with them through that. Like, I think a big part of why the Mets stuck with both those guys last season was because historically they weren't those pitchers. So you're giving them time to prove that this performance is a blip on the radar. This is not a normal part of your game. If Diaz looks as bad in May as he looked in May of last year, he will not be pitching in high leverage situations. And so I think that you're you're not going to get those bullpen blowups 
at least from the same guys he did last year, right? So, and I also think that just you know relief pitchers are volatile, and both of them have better stuff than their numbers showed last year. So I think they will be better. But even if they're not better, there's going to be a shorter leash on them, and therefore I think that that will that will lead to a better bullpen one way or the other. Not that I have a ton of confidence in the guys who would step up and fill their roles, but I think you understand what I'm saying. That's that's the first bit of optimism that I have. The second oh, bit yeah. Of, the second bit of optimism that I have is that I don't. I'm not going to say that Rick Porcello. I'm not going to say that 2020 Rick Porcello is the same as 2020 Zach Wheeler because he's not. But I think that 2020 Marcus Stroman and 2020 Rick Porcello is probably better than 2019 Zach Wheeler and 2019 Jason Vargas. And so you're looking at an overall improvement, at least in the first half from last year. And I think that if if, if the team just had a five-game, if they won just five more games in the first half, the end of the season would have been a very different thing. And so I think all you have to do is you have to, you have to get this team to a place where they are in the mix come the trading deadline. Because by the trading deadline, we may have some intimation of who the Mets' next owner is going to be. I'm not saying it's going to be done by the trade deadline, but, you know, if it's a situation where somebody emerges as a front runner and maybe, you know, they are having a little bit more influence on the team, maybe they can convince the Wilpons to spend. Maybe the Wilpons will want to spend to make their last season as owners ones where they go out with a ring on their finger. Uh, or maybe just, you know, there's good players, there's always good players available at the trade deadline. So to me, you just have to have a Mets team that is five to seven wins above where the team was come the All-Star break last year for me to feel like it's been a successful first half. And I think that with the bullpen and with the starting pitching being both on paper better than last year, maybe, I feel fairly confident. Yeah, I, I like all that. I certainly hope Porcello is better than... Jason Vargas was last year. <laughs> yes. Um, Jason Vargas is still a free agent, I think. I wonder why. Bring him home, Mets. Bring him home. No, don't. No, don't. Do not. I, I, I'm just joking. Do not bring him home. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matt Harvey is still a free agent, too. Yeah. That's uh... a free agent in denial of, like, you have to try to be a reliever, dude. Yeah. I would just sign keep... Matt Harvey the reliever. If he was fully on board with, I'm going to pitch in relief, and you know that I'm going to embrace that role. I I don't know that that would lead to success, but it sure seems to me like that's his only chance to play in the majors again. Nobody's signing him as a starter at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's just not going to happen. And I don't know why. I mean, we've all heard that he has, you know, a healthy ego, shall we say. Um, but I can't believe that he's that he's not trying to extend his career at this point by pitching in relief. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, a little odd. But if he decides to do it seriously, I, I'd, I'd take him back in a heartbeat as a fan. You know? Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people would agree with you, unfortunately. But that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So we, we both focused on the pitching when we talked about our both our hopes and our fears for the season. Uh, how do you feel about the offense right now? Uh... Pretty good. Um, I mean, look, it's it, it's easy this time of year to maybe go into things and say like, hey, you know, the, this guy's going to be his best self about all of them, and we know that's never how it works out, or it, it rarely works out that everybody's on at the same time, you know. But you look up and down the lineup, and. There, there are some solid hitters on this team. You know, I mean, obviously McNeil and Alonzo led the way. Um, J.D. Davis's playing time and role, I guess, is still somewhat to be determined. But um, we know he can hit. Dom Smith, kind of the same thing. To you know, if there, if Cespedes is fully healthy, um, Smith and Davis both have similar, uh, you know men without positions but who hit very well at the major league level last year so you know to have all that and then still have Conforto and Nimmo and you know Wilson Ramos is a solid hitter um I think you know you'd love to see a great year out of him uh and, and Cano I think is better than what he showed last year so it's it's pretty easy to look at the lineup uh, and, and say, oh, hey, look, everybody in that, you know, that the top eight slots of the lineup is fully capable of being an above average major league hitter. Um, I guess Rosario, it might be a little premature to say that because he still hasn't done that uh, over the course of a full season. But I think given his age and and the way he looked last year, especially since it seemed like he was growing and developing as the year went on, which I think is more important than just saying, oh, his second half split was great. If it's, you know, if you're seeing a guy who was having defensive struggles and not hitting all that well early in the year make progress in all all facets of his game as the year goes on, I think that observation... Is, is more meaningful than just a, a hot finish to a season. Um, so, yeah, I it's not unreasonable to think that you look at WRC Plus that everybody in the lineup could be 100, which is league average, or higher. And there's not a whole lot of teams that have 
a realistic shot at rolling out a lineup that can do that. So that that is that that seems nice, you know. And then if Cespedes is able to play, um, you know, really if his it's about if his body is able to take the workload, uh, you know, I, I think the talent is still there. And the drive certainly is there with the video he made recently with featuring Andy Martino's voice prominently uh, criticizing him. You hate so, to see it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think this will be a very good team uh, at the plate. I You know, I think you can get – a couple guys could take steps back, but you could still end up with a, just a very solid lineup. Um, you know, it's not going to be... I don't think it's going to be the Twins in terms of shattering home run records and leading the league in offensive production, but I think they could kind of sit in the upper tier, you know? I mean, Maybe you know, look, we're in spring everything seems possible right now and i know that i'm i'm going to get i'm going to get an email later this season laughing at me for saying this but i mean in the national league if you leave the dodgers out of it is there a team that just on paper is a better offensive team than the mets hmm trying to run through the whole national league in my head right now <laughs> I mean, um, in the West, if you're not named the Dodgers, you're not. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, even even last year, the Mets had the second highest WRC plus as a team in the National League. Yeah. Uh, you know that that's not everything. The Dodgers were ahead of them, uh, and the Nationals were behind them, and and the Nationals scored almost a hundred runs more than they did. So there's right. right. There's more to it than that, but there's enough there to say, like, hmm, you know, maybe this team is pretty, pretty good. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers, the Dodgers adding bets is just like, oh, come on, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if you're just going down the list, I think it, it, maybe it's tough because I mean, and, and the reason why we like metrics like that one is, is that they put some context around ballpark and all that. I feel like the Braves though, even, you know, last year they were just slightly behind the Mets in that metric. Um, you know, they, they might have a case at being better, but they lost Donaldson. You know, the Nationals lost Rendon, and those two guys had monster seasons for those teams Absolutely. last year. Um, so then, and I guess the, the one other one that comes to mind is, is the Cubs of just like you know, they seem to be waning at this point. Um, and their ownership tried uh, even less than the Red Sox this winter. Like, did <laughs> they have they still not signed a major league free agent or, or something similar to that? It's something like that, yes. Yeah, I mean, maybe at this point, I'm sure somebody has signed a major league deal, even if it was a low dollar one. But, um, you know, Rizzo, Bryant, um, Baez, that's, you know, that's a really good trio. The rest of that lineup can be very good. Um, so, yeah, those are those are the teams that come to mind for me, um, yeah, which I think makes your point 
seem pretty valid to me. Right, and so, you know, I'm not saying they're going to set records, but I could certainly see a case where the Mets are number two or number three offense in the league. I think when you when you couple that with the best pitcher in baseball and very capable two and three starters and potentially three lights out people in the bullpen, and that's not counting Familia. I'm just saying if Lugo, Batances, and uh, Diaz are all on, that's three excellent relievers, not counting Justin Wilson, who had a solid second half, or Brett Brock, who had a solid second half, or, you know, uh, Familia. The Mets have a chance to to have a top three offense and a top, let's call it, five or six pitching staff. And that, I think five, top five or six pitching staff might be a conservative estimate if everything goes well, which it won't. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying if you look at the raw materials on the table, I think the Mets are in a really good position to to surprise people this season. Or maybe surprise is the wrong word at this point. To live up to the expectation that's there for them. Yeah. I recognize it. I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna, this is all going to be very funny in a few months. Um, <laughs> but it just it just feels to me like just the raw materials are there for this team. I also think something we haven't talked about really, you and I have not talked about it at all, but I think that people are forgetting also, is I know that the average Major League manager only wins or loses their team about three games a season, but Mickey Callaway was a really bad manager last season. Yeah. And lost the team a bunch of games early on that they did not have to lose. And so, you know, if Rojas is even just the most bland league average manager, that's a very good thing for the Mets. Yeah. Jeremy Hefner's back, man. Sure is. <laughs> I like it. Did you hear the DeGrom quote about Hefner? Um, I read... Or not quote, but what he did when he got to camp? Yeah, yeah. Who uh, Was it Tim Healy or somebody else? I think it was him. I feel like it was Newsday. Yeah, I think it was. Basically, for those that didn't read it, uh, DeGrom sought Hefner out. Because Hefner was, I believe, the assistant pitching coach or the bullpen coach for the Twins last year. Yeah, assistant pitching. And uh, DeGrom went and found him and basically said, the Twins, you know, ate my lunch the day I was I, w- I faced them. Was I tipping my pitches? Was something you saw? And he basically said, no, they just had a good day and you had a bad day. (laughs) But just the fact that I love that DeGrom sought him out for that. And I love that Hefner apparently has a good enough memory for this stuff that he could answer the question honestly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I love, especially having a a cousin who's a diehard Twins fan who... That, that fact has come up many times on this yes. podcast. Uh, having having that um, feedback from a Twins fan about how much they own DeGrom and all that, like, I like that it's still bugged DeGrom too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I'm, it, in the moment, it's like, oh, man, I wish we could face DeGrom every game. And I'm like, stop. You fucking Twins wish you had a pitcher who was half as good as this exactly. dude. Exactly. Um, but I like that it was eating him up, um, you know, because I, I think I think most people appreciate it. But like in at the end of May, 
nobody was talking about DeGrom repeating it as a Cy Young winner. You know, and it wasn't even that, like, oh, he's he's terrible or anything. It's just that was not a topic. Even when I, I wrote a thing about, like, you know, he could win this in, like, July, I think. Late, uh, I, I'm going to guess July. I'm going to be that, lazy. That, that, that sounds about right from what I remember. Search for it. Maybe early August, somewhere around there, where it was still, like, he had ground to make up, uh, but he had started to get on a roll. Um, even at that point saying, you know, he could win the Cy Young again. Most people were like, oh, yeah, man, he's been great, but August probably 2nd. not. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, a lot of people were like, hey, I'm rooting for it and all that, but I just don't see it. And then he went and did it. So, um, obviously, I'll take full credit, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, have you seen a lot of writers are basically saying they expect him to repeat it again? Uh, I've seen the topic come up. I guess I haven't seen people saying they think it's going to happen. But that's just me missing things. I mean, it, one of them was like, I think it was The Athletic did a, like, bold prediction special. And that one, two people in there, I believe, said that he would repeat. But that's that's trying to be bold, right? That's a little different. But I've seen, and I want to say that the Vegas odds are relatively high for him mm. repeating. And I've seen a couple other people tweeting about it, you know, how they believe that it's a possibility. And, I mean, almost nobody has done that. You know, what is it, three pitchers ever? Uh, I think just two, right? I think it was Messina and Randy Johnson. Obviously, Clemens has racked up a ton of the award. Right. Um, but to do it that many times in a row, I think those were the only other two. Yeah, let's see. Uh, no, uh, Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson. No, oh, I said Messina. I yeah, meant Maddox. Yeah, Maddox and Johnson are the two. Um, yeah, so um, it's crazy that only 21 pitchers in baseball history have ever won it more than once. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was elite company to join already. Um, but, yeah. hey, I think he could do it. Yeah, so, you know, it's... It, again this is the time for us to be optimistic right let's, oh yeah let's be optimistic right now uh, uh about this team and let's just let's be let, let's have a good excuse to go into this trip with some real optimism because things are gonna suck things are gonna go poorly but um you know for now we don't have to think about that we can just enjoy it for what it is um all right, well, let's talk for a minute uh, about the ownership situation. So, the last time we had spoken, was the Steve Cohen news, I guess it had been out there for a few months, right? Right, the, you know, they officially put it out there that they were, you know, working on this deal with him and all that fairly early in the offseason, you yeah. know. Yeah. Not, not like right at the beginning, but early enough. Yeah. And so uh, that has obviously fallen through, and we don't really know why, and we likely never will know why, and that's okay. But the Mets have, uh, yeah, the Wilpons have said they are going to sell the team, and if you believe what is being written about, it will be a more traditional sale where there may not be years of control for the Wilpons baked in or at least not as many years of control um, baked in. 
So the name that has come out as a front runner, and there's probably lots of people who are at the exact same level of interest, but they're not world famous folks, so we're not hearing about them as much. But um, it's it's your friend and mine, Alex Rodriguez, uh, the for as we used to say, the former future Met. Uh, yes, you know uh, a Rod, and I think there are a lot of facets to why a Rod is a polarizing choice of potential manager. So, just like from your gut, what do you think about the Mets being owned by a Rod? Uh, I'm all for it. <laughs> it it would just be absurd. Um, you know, I like that in his second act, he's been this sort of like endearing baseball nerd. Um, like, what a what a strange path he's had. It, you know, in terms of being one of the best players of all time. Um, you know, who dealt with his fair share of scandal um, for you know baseball related things. Um, and then kind of having this very public persona and, and being out there uh, involved with a lot of the biggest broadcasts of baseball, uh, you know, on a national stage. So it, it's, I don't know, what, what better way to top all that than owning the team he rooted for as a kid? Um, and as, much, as well as he's done, I think it, it's clear it would have to be a situation with somebody I don't I don't think maybe I'm underestimating but I don't think he and JLo could just like outright buy the Mets I, like, mean, I feel like Jay-Z maybe? and Beyonce maybe but I don't know I feel like being worth even if you're worth three billion can you actually like hand that money over to the Wilpons tomorrow you know what I mean right um so I'd imagine it would be something similar to the Jeter situation where, you know, there's some money of his going in, uh, but it would be part of a group, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, having having A-Rod as, like, the face of ownership, um, the one thing I would say is that, I guess, as much as I'm all for it, for the absurdity and all that, uh, if we... At least if he was a meddlesome owner, like the ones that currently own the Mets, at least he's been there. Like, at least he had a Hall of Fame caliber career, whether or not he ends up getting voted in. You know, he did all that, and he knows what he's talking about. You know, an owner should still let baseball operations have independence and and do their job, but I guess... You know, it, at the very least, even if he had all the other traits in common with the Wilpons, he would know a lot more about the game. Uh, so I would see that as a as an upgrade. Yes, I agree with that. And um, and you know, A Rod help coming to the Mets in some form and helping them win a championship would be like an extra, you know, fu to the Mets who sort of botched getting him when he was young. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. The reason that I am not as optimistic about him as you are has almost nothing to do with um, with his. So I, I, a friend of mine is a big Yankee fan who is um, 
shall we say, he can be a bit, he can be, be, a, be a bit of a prick when it comes to talking about the math stuff. <laughs> and uh, his question to me was like, well, he cheated before, does that make you afraid that he will cheat again? And that do you want, basically, do you want to get caught in a scandal with a cheater as your owner? And I don't really think that that's a, uh, that's a, a, a true, like, it's kind of a false equivalency to make. But um, I, I, I would I would hate to hear all the press coverage of A-Rod as, a, as Mets owner. Uh, that's, that's part of it. I also think he's just such an ineffectual, terrible interview that his press conferences will be a total bore. Um, not that I, not that that really matters, but that's part of it. And um, I just, I don't hate A Rod. I really don't. I just don't know if I want to be around him that much <laughs> as a Mets fan. Fair enough. You know who will be over the moon uh, if it happens is Ted Berg. Oh man, Ted will love this. Um, yeah. Ted will absolutely love this. That's an excellent point. Um, do you have any? Do you? Have, I, I guess your point stands. That if it's a meddlesome owner, at least the baseball player being a meddlesome owner. But do you think that? Like one of the things I think about Steve Cohen is, and I have no evidence of this. Is just sort of my gut here is that if the guy has never worked in baseball before, he might be more willing to let baseball people do baseball stuff. Right. So that's, you know. That's that's part of my fear too, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's <laughs> a funny story. I was coming home from a, uh, a concert, which we'll be talking about later, uh, a little while, a couple of days ago, and I was in a lift to come home, and the driver saw my Mets cap and asked me about the Mets, and said, "You know, my daughter went to college with Jeff Wilpon." I said, ah. "Really? What'd you think of him?" And he said. She thought he was really fucking stupid. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, and he said, you know, even then, people were talking about how he's too dumb to run a major league team and how that team is to be doomed when, he, when his dad dies. And so mm. I, I'm just happy we're not getting saddled with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, here's, here's hoping that a sale happens. Um you know, it's time. I guess the most encouraging thing is that the Cohen deal falling through didn't negate the ownership group's de- overall desire to sell. Yes. yes. Um, you know, this wasn't, oh, hey, here's the only guy who's going to sell this team. I, I'm sorry, the only guy who's going to pay for this team. Right. Um, they know damn well that these are, uh, these major league franchises are sought after um you know it's kind of nice to be able to print money um yeah yeah especially if you also happen to like baseball so (laughs) yeah yeah is there um any other a-rod stuff you want to discuss uh no not not yet if it you know, if it actually turns into like a serious thing, I look forward to talking about it a lot more. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? I feel like we had a couple more things on our agenda, but I can't remember them at the moment. Um, 
I think we touched on him. I think, uh, you know, with the, the early spring training things, the, you know, Familia having lost 30 pounds. Um, there was one story today. Edwin Diaz uh, was asking for feedback from Jed Lowry, who uh, is supposedly cleared to do everything in terms of workouts and drills and all that kind of stuff. Uh, even though when he showed up with a gigantic brace on his left knee, there was still no explanation of what the injury actually was or confirmation that he would play in spring training games. Uh, that that weirdness, um, you know, coupled uh, that weirdness is its own thing. Um, but you know, Diaz trying to get different feedback. And uh, Seth Lugo. Oh, we didn't touch on that. Oh yeah, Seth Lugo broke his pinky toe in his hotel room. Did did he fracture? Fracture it rather? Uh, yeah. I don't think it really matters the pinky toe. Right. Yeah. No. I like. I think it'll be fine. Uh, Especially pitchers who aren't, you know, running anywhere near as much as like an outfielder or any offensive player who ever gets on base. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's a. If you had to pick a bone to break, it'd probably be a good one to pick. <laughs> yeah, they're um, saying he can't pitch for three days. So, right. So we may see him pitch even with a broken bone in a week. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, just I guess that flurry of, of little things, and, and you know, Stroman commenting on uh, proclaiming that he has the best core strength in Major League Baseball, and. Hey, I support that confidence. I, I, I would not make the claim myself. So I'm, I'm glad somebody <laughs> feels that that confidence. Um, Do you think you're the best core from Mason Avenue? Uh, no, I wanted to say no by default. <laughs> even though it may, eh. I definitely don't. So I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah, no. Dude, I mean, we have like, if you if you include everybody there there are people who are still like in in or shortly out of college yes and just by default <laughs> they, they they're strong they wins. win yeah <laughs> uh, softened but, by time yeah and beer yeah <laughs> these things happen but yeah. but yeah it, uh, i will say stroman i like i just like his whole uh, approach his his uh you know his his confidence. He gets a little into a weird thing every once and now, uh, once and again. Sorry on on Twitter. Um, you know, just weird like health stuff. That I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's scientific, but okay, sure. Um, you know, you, you've got a whole thing going on. He, he's a very likable guy. He's he's interesting. Uh, he's unique. And perhaps most importantly, he has a shot at being a top, you know, 15, 20, 25 pitcher in baseball, um, which he hasn't done every year. But but he's had those seasons where he's been up in that in that level. And I think that that kind of got forgotten a little bit when people were like, oh, why did they trade for a guy, you know, at a time that they were not contending? Um so yeah, he's he's very likable, and it would be nice to see him remain a Met, um, especially if he you know pitches anywhere near 
uh, a, like a solid number three or better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else we really have to touch on. Uh, if if listeners have things they want us to specifically look into um, when we're down in spring training or players you want updates on or anything else, you know, tweet at us. Let us know what it is that you want us to do. And, uh, you know, yeah, we would love to get some input on that. So, um, before we close out here, Chris, what is your music pick for this week? So, I'm going to go with a record that I haven't heard that many times yet. Um, but a little backstory to it I've recommended some Kikagaku Moyo records uh, on the show in the past. Uh, they're a fantastic Japanese band. Uh, I recommend the records and certainly their live shows. Uh, and they they did not play Desert Days when we were out there uh, this past time in October of 2019. Uh, but we had made some friends over the course of the festival on the, you know in the campgrounds and obviously in that context you're talking a lot about music and Kikigaku was um, touring shortly after uh, and we actually we've seen them a bunch of times we couldn't make the New York show. But we really like hyped them up, and, and these friends that that we made who are out um, they're out in Tucson went to the show, and you know we we've stayed in touch, uh, and afterwards they're like you know raving about how great Kikigaku was, uh, but then the opening band, another Japanese band, Minami Deutsch, um, they they had raved about, so I had it on my like to do list for listening. For a little while and then in just like a spotify mix or discover weekly or whatever you know one of the things in spotify that i was just letting it do its thing one of their songs came on and i was like oh yeah like i've been meaning to do this and it just kind of it forced it um so yeah the record came out in 2018 it's called with dim light um it's yeah it, it's it's pretty good i recommend checking it out i haven't listened to it enough to have like a you know have mastered the topic of the record but uh you know our, our friends out in arizona were right it's definitely an interesting band um say the name again for our listeners yeah manami deutsch so m-i-n-a-m-i is the first word and then deutsch is what you would expect um so yeah, yeah, the records are on Spotify, Bandcamp, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, and I think they they're, they're sort of blending like different influences, um, you know, st- like different styles of of uh, rock in general to to get to where they are. So yeah. That's my that's my recommendation. Very nice. What about yours? So I, I do try and pick new records a lot of times when we do this, but I got a rep for an old favorite uh, this week. On Friday and Saturday, I went to uh, two concerts by my favorite live band of the moment, Ween. I have now seen Ween six times since 2016, and over those six times, I have heard 105 unique songs. 
because their set lists vary greatly. I have not seen a show with less than nine songs I had not heard before, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the shows were fantastic. Um, I, I was in a better spot in the room on Friday night, but I have downloaded recordings of each show. Uh, Ween is a very tape-friendly band, and I think that Saturday night's show was probably the better show. I was just I was both in a worst part of the room and I met up with an acquaintance there who got very drunk very quickly and was talking trying to talk to me through about half the show. Uh, the worst. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't, yeah. don't go to shows if that's what yes. you're gonna do. Listeners, don't do that. <laughs> don't ever ever do that. Um, but just amazing. But the the record I want to focus on from them is not my favorite record of theirs, which is the Mollusk, which everybody should go out and listen to. It is uh, an absolutely incredible record. I want to talk about Quebec, which is their uh, their second to last record thus far. It came out in uh, 2003, I believe. And um, so when their most recent album, which now is over a decade old, came out, Dean Ween, the guitar player, said, this new one is a party record. The last one was a um, Jonestown party record. <laughs> and which is saying how depressing it was. And it, a lot of it was written while... Uh, the singer Gene Ween, Aaron Freeman, was going through a divorce, so it's a very, very dark record. But it is where I think Ween was able to blend sort of the more... I mean, all their records are experimental and weird in their own ways, but the couple before this, I guess, had more traditional song structures to a lot of it. And so this has some like very unusual... Stru- unusually structured songs, but it also has their... Like their their biggest swings in terms of going for like epic songs. There's a song called "The Argus" on it, which is basically like a yes song in in all in all the best ways. Um, and they just this is where I think their songwriting became just super confident, and they realized they can do anything they want to, and they can pull it off. And so this has everything from acoustic ballads to instrumental noise pieces to some songs that maybe verge on the comedic to just these big epic songs the last three songs in the record are just amazing Alkin Road, The Argus and If You Could Save Yourself You'd Save Us All which has one of my favorite lyrics of all time it's a little bit rude so I'm going to warn the listeners now I'm going to say a not nice phrase at the end of it but it's um the wheels came off, the bottom fell out, the checks all bounced. I <laughs> and it's just four different ways to say things went wrong. And it's it's an amazing record, and it's a record that's really sad and really, um, really beautiful, but also really messy. And, yeah, it's great. And we played, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, like seven or eight songs off of the album over the two nights I saw them this weekend. So yeah, that's my my pick, Quebec by Ween. Right on. Yeah. I, I, I gotta get you a Ween record one of these days. We have to yeah. make this happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, like we said, next week we're gonna be at you with a couple of shows from Spring Training. Uh, I'm sure there'll be other Amazing Avenue audio shows next week as well, but you get plenty from me and Chris. Uh, until then, go to AmazingAvenue.com. We are starting our season preview series this week. So we've done one so far on Jerry Familia and Wilson Ramos and J.D. Davis and a few others. 
So go check those out. Oh, we, we were going to talk about how J.D. Davis and Jake Resnick apologize for being Astros. Oh, yeah. They apologize for being Astros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully... Uh, it, it's not ideal, but hopefully... You know that they, they can they can maintain good uh, statuses with their teammates. Yes, Davis was barely an Astro. So I feel a little bit better about that than I did Marisnik, but we'll see. It's certainly not ideal for Marisnik to come over in this off season. Like Davis had a year before all this started, before all this came out rather, to to get in with his teammates. You know, Marisnik is coming in with this hanging over him. Um, although yeah. I, I will argue, I bet players care less about this than a lot of fans do. They might. I, I, I think it it probably varies, similar yeah. to how fans have kind of varied, you know? Sure. I just think that cheating in sports is way more widespread than we realize, and that players have to be against it in public, but don't really care otherwise. Mm, I can see that. Um, but anyway... So, MazingAvenue.com has all that stuff for you there. Um, you can also find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can let me find this. You can email us. We haven't done an email show in a while. Next time, maybe we'll do an email. You know, send us emails when we're in St. Lucie. We'll do an email show one of the nights we're in St. Lucie if you have enough emails. That'll be fun. So yeah, that'd be good. AA Audio Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Chris is at Chris McShane. And until next week in St. Lucie, let's go Mets. Mm-hmm.